This is a podcast from Seven Vineyard. My name is Owen Lynch. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here and welcome to you. If you're here in person in the room or at home watching this either live or retrospectively, you're so welcome. And I just want to say Happy New Year to you as well, as Dan has. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope that you uh, have a sense of anticipation um, as this year, we stand at the start of this new year. And at the start of this new year, I just wanted to talk to you about, or tell you about, uh, seven people who are very dear to Claire and I. These uh, people uh, are called Steve and Rachel, Bethany and Hannah, Claire, Erica and Sarah. Now, you may not know these people, but these people, back in 2009, made the decision to move from Nottingham with Claire and I to start this church. They helped get this church going. Many other people got involved um, and propelled it forwards and have been part of the journey, probably seven or 800 people actually over the last 13 years. Uh, but those people, those people were the ones who were willing to give up their lives in Nottingham, move their homes, move their kids, uh, move their livelihoods here to Bristol in order to help us start that church. We gave them plenty of reasons not to come. We said to them, listen, uh, there's going to be so many things that like, may not happen as you hope. You may not get as good a job as you had in Nottingham. You may not have, you probably won't have as big a home as you had in Nottingham. Your kids may not end up being part of church because this is a church plant and the church that we were all part of in Nottingham was big and had lots of big services and equipment and, and facilities for kids and youth. And it was just, uh, you know, we, we said, you know, you may not actually even have that many friends when you get there. You may feel lonely. You may feel isolated. Actually, life might not be what you hope and dream it might be. And by making that choice to come to Bristol with us, you are paying a price that you don't know what the outcome is going to be. But they still made that decision. There was lots of other people who heard all that and said, yeah, you're right, I won't come. But there were those people who said, no, we're still up for this. We still want to come. And I just want to pay tribute to those people today at the start of this year because we are, as a church, planting a new church here in Bristol. It's going to be called Lighthouse Vineyard, and today we're going to be paying tribute to two people and their children, Greg and Liz Nixon, who have decided to do exactly the same thing and move to help start that church plant. But before I start talking about that, and we're going to interview them later on, I want to, uh, I want to just raise this, uh, this principle of a few people taking a huge risk and taking a huge risk to see what difference they could make. I mean, we were moving to a city region of a, of a million people. Like, how could nine people make a difference in that situation? How could we do that? Well, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie 300. It's based on uh, the, uh, the, the, the true events, or loosely based, I should say, on the true events that took place in 480 BC during a war uh, between the Persian Empire and the Greek city-states. In the film, the Persians advanced through the Middle East and into what we would now call Southeastern Europe, and various nations and city-states signed uh, uh, treaties with the Persians in order to preserve, well, to not be killed, basically. But what they gave away was their power. But there was one city-state called Sparta, that refused to do that. And the governor, the king of that city-state, gathered his personal guard and took that personal guard of just 300 soldiers and went and stood at a pass into the Greek mainland and, and actually st stood and held ground against the Persian army. Now, the Persian army had 100,000 soldiers. 
uh, there was just 300 standing in the face of 100,000 soldiers. And they stood at this pass, and because this huge Persian army couldn't operate within a small area all at once, they just hit wave after wave after wave after wave. They killed tens of thousands of soldiers until, in the end, those 300 died themselves. Now, you might wonder, what was the point? What was the point of that? Why, why stand when you would eventually lose your lives anyway? Perhaps they just uh, gave their lives for nothing. But the reality is is that their sacrifice awakened the rest of the Greek city-states and gave them the courage to stand against the Persians. And indeed, the Persian army was defeated and they were forced to retreat. It was the stand of the 300 that led to all of the Greek city-states making a stand against the Persians. You know, history shows us that when a few people refuse to be held back by fear, great things can happen. You know, in terms of church planting, since 1987 in the vineyard movement in the UK and Ireland, we've planted over 130 churches. Just think about that for a minute. Over 130 churches have been planted. And they've been planted by people like those people I told you about earlier, like your Greg and Liz's, like your Adam and Rebecca's, who refuse to let fear hold them back from their destiny and from their dreams. Great things can happen when people overcome their fear. In Numbers 13, uh, we're going to read a story about how fear held the Israelites back from inheriting the land that, that God had promised them they would settle in. You know, in the Bible, anything other than fear of the divine, anything, fear, any other fear than fear of the divine is seen as holding back people from reaching their potential. And I wonder as we all listen to this today, whether actually all of us might consider if there's any fears that are holding us back from living the life that we want to live. Is fear holding us back? Let's have a look at Numbers 13. If you've got a Bible, do open it up. If you've got a Bible app, then pull it up. Um, Love the Bible app. If you've not got it, you can get it on your phone. Um, It's literally called the Bible app. And it's Numbers 13. And uh, you, you must remember when we read this story, um, the background to it is that the Israelites are a nation of several million people, and they're all descended from 12 sons of Jacob. And the, along the way, Jacob gets his name changed to Israel by God. So they're the 12 sons of Israel. And those 12 sons have descendants, so many descendants, that they become the 12 tribes of Israel and number several million people. And they're living... Well, they were living initially by choice, but then later by in slavery in the nation of Egypt. And then you'll know the story. They escaped as the God parted the waters across the Red Sea, and they escaped, and they had an encounter with God at Mount Sinai, and Moses uh, led them across the desert to inherit the promised land that God had promised them. Well, in Numbers 13, verses 1 to 3, they've reached the edge of the land that God has promised them. And this is what it says. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. So these leaders explore the land and they return with their report. And we read in verses 27 and 29 to 29, They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. 
But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there, by which you should know descendants of Anak are giants. Okay, so they see some descendants of Anak there, they're giants in the land, and they're scared. The Malachites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they all live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. They basically reported back and said, yes, it's amazing, but it's full of scary people. That was their report. Now, there's one man who's listening to this, one of the leaders, he's called Caleb, and he's sensing the fear in his compatriots, and he intervenes. And in verse 30, it says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. One man, one man stands up and says, we are not going to let fear defeat us. But unfortunately, his stand does not take effect. The other leaders double down on their arguments. They say, but the men who'd gone up with him said, we can't attack those people, they're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land that we explored devours those living in it. And all the people that we saw there are of a great size, not just some, all of them are of a great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim, more giants. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. They're trying to win the argument, aren't they? It's terrible. We look like grasshoppers, and we think we look like grasshoppers as well. They think we look like grasshoppers. We all agree that we look like grasshoppers compared to the giants who occupy the land that God has promised that we will inherit. They're scared, they're fearful, and they're letting their fear dominate them. This story gives us a fascinating and yet recognisable insight into how fear takes hold of us. Fear does two strange things. First, it maximises the obstacles. It makes them seem larger than they really are. The story here escalates from a few giants, as I said, who are descended from Anak, to all the inhabitants of the land being giants. Secondly, fear makes us assume that other people see us in a certain way. How many of us know that when we're fearful of others, that we, we kind of think that other people think we're just weak as well, or a bit pathetic, or not very good at that, or just you know, not very nice. I, we, just, we, we project what we think about ourselves on, onto other people, and we think that they think the same about us. So much so that we almost convince ourselves that we are like that. So they think we are like grasshoppers, and we think we look like grasshoppers compared to them. We must remember here that the Israelite leaders had seen Yahweh do great things. So, you know, things like just their, their escape from captivity in Egypt, uh, the sea parting before them, the plagues, the pillars of flower, flower the, the, the pillars of cloud and fire, you know. Uh, you know, they'd seen incredible things, but when they reached the edge of their destiny, even though they'd seen God do all this great stuff, fear held them back from entering into what God had promised them. Have you ever seen that in yourself? You know, you kind of, you've seen God do stuff in your life. You, you see God at work in yourself. You know that, right? But still fear gets in the way. Sometimes we just forget. We forget that God has been so real to us and yet fear still stops us. I wonder at the beginning of 2023, is there fear that is stopping you from inheriting 
the, 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 if you like, the thing that you dream of? Is fear standing between you and your dreams? Is fear standing between you and your destiny? It certainly was for some of these Israelites. If you know this story, you'll know that sadly the majority of the adults of this several million strong nation, well, they stayed living nomadically in the desert until those of a certain age all died. So the younger generations were still alive, but the older generations had all died. It took another 40 years, and they just lived nomadically in the desert. And then they inherited the land. You know, I wonder whether that's just a gentle reminder for some of us of a certain age that we don't stop taking risks as we get older, that we don't stop trusting God. Fear, fear is something which is always our first battle. When we're facing a challenge, whatever it is, it may be a challenge you're facing today, there's something about today, or it may be something about this week, or it may be something a bit bigger in your life that would have bigger ramifications should you pursue that challenge. The first thing that faces you when you're in this situation is fear. Your first obstacle is fear. The thing that's right in front of you is fear. You know, when we face a step change in our lives, our first battle is about fear. And, and the irony is, is that the thing that's right in front of us always feels bigger than it does retrospectively. Do you know what I mean? Uh, have you ever been on a roller coaster, a scary roller coaster, perhaps when you were younger, and you've queued up for it and you're just terrified? You're, like, you're looking at that going, I can't do it, I can't do it. And you're just, you know, you're feeling a bit sick, you're feeling a bit worried, you're feeling anxious, you're sweating a bit, your, your heart's racing. And really, you don't want to do it. You get into the roller coaster, the thing comes down over your head, the harness to stop you from falling out. And you know, uh, uh, until that thing locks into place, you can get out of doing this. But as soon as it's locked into place, no one's going to stop it. That roller coaster is going. And you go flying off on this roller coaster and you get off it and what do you do? You whoop loudly and you run back to the queue to get on it again, right? Because it wasn't as scary, it was more exciting than you realised it was going to be. And the truth is, is that when we look back on, on the challenges that we face, step challenges that we face, the reality is they seem bigger before we do it than they do afterwards. Think back in your life to the challenges that you've overcome. Maybe you, maybe you might reflect on it and say, well, do you know what, actually, that wasn't as tough as I thought it was going to be. I, I managed to do that. Friends, when we're facing a step change in our lives, fear makes it always seem bigger than it is in reality. If we're going to live the life that we want to live, in the way that we want to live it, it's simply a matter of taking the next step of faith to overcome the obstacle right in front of us. So what is the obstacle right in front of you? At the beginning of this new year, is there a step of faith that you need to take to step into that new reality that you want to live in? Perhaps it's investing in a new relationship. Maybe it's fixing a broken relationship. Maybe it's asking forgiveness. Maybe it's seeking healing. Maybe it's going for counselling. Maybe it's progressing your vocation, taking the next step. Maybe it's 
starting a new business. Maybe it's volunteering some time to help other people. Maybe it's pursuing your own mental and spiritual health. And you know the steps you need to take here. But so often inertia kind of gets the better of us and fear gets the better of us. And we don't step into it. Will you step into it this year? You know what's remarkable about story number 13 is, is that the older generation, the older generation, I think, I don't, I, it's difficult to say exactly how old, but probably 40 plus. That older generation didn't inherit the land because they let fear stop them. I, I don't know if they maybe just be, became more comfortable in the desert than with obtaining a better life that Yahweh was offering them. It is true, and it's an observable phenomenon, that we tend to become more conservative and risk-averse as we get older. It's just observable. We know this phenomenon is true. But perhaps the story of the older Israelite generations is a gentle reminder to those of us who are older generations that God wants us to overcome our fears whatever our age. Whatever our age. Taking risks whatever our age. And not settling down into a less risk, a more risk averse and a, and, and a more comfortable setting. Maybe God is speaking to us about doing that, about taking risks, so that we can step into the reality that we want to live in. Now today, we are honoured to celebrate the courage of four people who are stepping over their fears in order to step into a new reality. And we're going to be celebrating uh, this today, but also on the 19th of February, when both Seven Vineyard, all of us, and Field Vineyard, who meet in Hallfield on a Sunday morning, and Lighthouse Vineyard, our new vineyard church plant, are going to be gathering together to commission Adam and Rebecca as the new senior pastors of Lighthouse Vineyard. But today, we're going to be hearing from Adam and Rebecca, but we're also going to be hearing from Greg and Liz, as they do that thing that Steve and Rachel and Bethany and Hannah and Claire and Erica and Sarah did back in 2009. They're giving up this to go and help do that. And we're going to be celebrating that with them today. So they're going to bring four chairs up. Would you give them a big round of applause as they come and join us? you guys so much for joining us today we are so privileged to have you with us and we honor you in your decision to plant this church we are so excited about what you're going to do about what God's going to do with you and we're excited about the journey that we're sharing with you in that process so we're going to hear from Adam and Rebecca first uh, Adam and Rebecca you're planting this church um, this is not like a recent decision you've been this has been in the making for some years now hasn't it tell us a little bit about your story about that um, hello. Uh, yeah, I feel like the on the roller coaster bit now, where the thing's about to come down, and there's yeah. no like, this no, is it yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's been a long journey up until here. Um, uh, I suppose it's worth saying that we live. Um, we've been living where we live for like nearly 20 years, but always done church in North Bristol, and 
we live next door to a church, so you have to really think, why am I getting in the car and not going here and driving past lots of other wonderful churches to go to this church? And in the beginning, that was to go to um, a lovely Anglican church that Adam had been part of since being a student, so I could kind of justify that with, like, well, this is our church family, so this is where we go. Um, and then we took some time out, went to Canada, came back to London, pretty broke, um, sponging off parents in southwest London. That's why we were able to be in Wimbledon. But went to southwest London Vineyard and discovered the vineyard. And, we, and I think, you know, Spirit Breakout was probably the song that just broke me. Uh, and I spent probably six months in, in southwest London Vineyard crying. But discovering that intimacy and worship, going, oh, this is like, I love, just falling in love with the vineyard, actually. Uh, seeing the kids worship, seeing the youth all sit together, it, I was just like, this is, this is it. So when we came back to Bristol, I kind of, you know, did what everyone did and went to Woody's for the first Sunday. <laughs> I went, oh, it's lovely, but it's not for us. Let's go to Bristol Vineyard. Um, and fell in love with a whole nother part of the vineyard and were, uh, teaching and being family and just absolutely loving it there. Um, but still had to drive past all these other churches. And now I could justify it because I love the vineyard. Um, but it became harder to keep driving past all these churches, to not have community or the depth of community at the school gate that I wanted or the depth of community in my local street uh, across the road. It just became harder to sort of do each Sunday. And I think that's when um, we sort of eventually listened to that itch about, you know, well, in fact, actually, it was like, does anyone, does anyone want to come and plant a church, a vineyard church in South Bristol? Uh, nobody did. So <laughs> it's kind of ended up being us. That's brilliant. And um, Adam, <clears throat> tell us about the vision for Lighthouse. What, what, how did it kind of come to where it is now? I think um, a big change, that, or sort of an itch that we felt, is that um, this idea of uh, every member participation in worship, and I think that's quite a key thing for us. So what we do at the moment is we, we gather around the table. So that's one of our so it's a strap line on our website, which is down at the moment, in case you're going to look at it, but it will be up soon. Yeah, just um, yeah our, our, our strap line is um, people of the table come and see. Um, and there's something wonderful about this kind of gathering around a table together as a sort of single family um, and everyone being part of this. So whether we're gathering in our home, uh, sort of sitting around a table or sitting in our sitting room, uh, worshipping together, having a bit of teaching, ministry, praying, whatever it is... Um, in pretty much every gathering that we have, everybody contributes something. They're contributing a story or praying for somebody or a bit of scripture or, um, or reacting to something someone else has said uh, or helping with laying out the table or cooking. We have like gatherings on where we're going to have to go quite soon. Um, our Sunday morning gatherings are basically community meals. So bring and share meals every single week. Anyone who turns up is immediately encouraged to get stuck in. So we had a new person turning up and they said, oh, I, I thought we started at 11.30. And it was like, well, yeah, this is, we've started, it's 11.30. Do you want to lay the table or do you want to make some tea or something like that? And that's, I suppose that's a really core cool thing for us that, that, you know, that the emphasis is being on 
family and getting to know each other. So it's really interesting. So like a gathering like this, you have like a 10 minute slot in the middle where it's like get to know some people, meet someone you haven't met before, catch up, share what's going on in your life. But it's quick, isn't it? It's quite, it's not, there's not time for that sort of depth of relationship. And I suppose in our gatherings, the emphasis is on getting to know each other um, and seeing where Jesus is moving within the community, I think. Brilliant. Now, you live in Tostown, and um, you, you kind of, you actually started with a circle around a certain area, didn't you? You talk about the, just briefly about the territory and the idea yeah. that... Well, Rebecca had this uh, waking vision, I think, um, where she was literally taken down line, down uh, roads in Bristol. So, you can, again, you can see it on our website. We call it the territory. It sounds quite military. Um, but also, we're a family. It's an interesting combo. But... Um, yeah, so it's this quite defined region. So we're very much a local church. So everyone in that in that region can walk to uh, everywhere else in that region. It's not a big space. Um, but we sent out, um, during lockdown, we sent out flyers to about 5,000 homes, I think. So that's roughly how many people are in that sort of, re- or how many homes there are in that, in that territory. Um, sorry, what was the question? And, and so you've got this territory, but your vision was to have a household on every street, wasn't it? Oh, yes, it? Yeah. of course, yeah. So the, the vision is that um, rather than moving towards having a big building and filling it full of a couple of hundred people every Sunday, the vision is growth through staying small. So at the moment, we tend to meet in our home. Uh, when we get, if, if and when, we get to the point that we can't quite fit in, uh, we don't get a bigger space, we don't rent a local hall, um, we split off into two groups so there might be another family that might want to start a a group themselves Um, and the idea is that we get this network of connected sort of family units and the vision is that one day there'll be one on every single street in that territory which feels really exciting to me now greg and liz you live on red catch road don't you which just so happens to be on the edge of this territory is that right do you want to hand the microphone say that one you don't mind You know what's funny? So when I first saw the map and I saw that it literally went down our road, I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then when I spoke to Rebecca about it, she had in her mind that it was actually the left-hand side of the road, not the right, which is what we live on. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, we thought we were in and they didn't think we were in because we lived on the wrong side of the road. (laughs) That's the specificity of uh, vision, eh? (laughs) Well, you guys have... um, These guys, if you don't know them, have been at the heart of Seven since the church started. Uh, I mentioned the guys who moved from Nottingham, but there's a whole bunch of people that joined us as soon as we got here, and these two were right at the heart of the church. Tell us briefly about your involvement with Seven over the last 12 years. Yeah, so I guess when things come to an end, you kind of go back to the beginning, and I was thinking about the beginning, and um, Greg and I just got married, we went to New Wine, and we were at Christchurch at the time, and the vicar Wayne said to us, oh, there's a new vineyard plant starting, and I didn't really know what that meant, I had never heard of the vineyard. And um, he said, but none of you are allowed to go to it. Totally joking. And I'm, I'm normally very much, I keep the rules, but there was something in me that was like, ooh. <laughs> so I sent an email, and shockingly, I never heard back. No, never heard back. Oh, I, to, I still which, which carry pain to this day about never hearing back, but it worked out okay. Um, and a, a couple of months later, you sent an email saying, oh, we're having a Christmas service at the tobacco factory. Do you want to come along? Because you obviously have my email from me having sent one. And I happened to be having dinner with my parents, and my parents mentioned that um, someone in the family's daughter had moved to Bristol and was... Um, planting a church, something to do with wine or vine. And I was like, oh my goodness, is that Claire and Owen? And mum was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, 
Like, I've been in contact with them. They've just asked us to go to a carol service. So it turns out Claire and I are related. Um, my who grand- knew? Yeah, who knew? So my, my grandmother and Claire's grandfather are brother and sister. And I think when I just came along to the service, it's 13 years ago in January, um, and I saw, I saw Claire worshipping, and she was worshipping in a way that I felt on the inside. Just, and I think, similar to what Rebecca has said, that's what we love about the vineyard, just that intimacy with the Father in worship. And I was just like, we weren't particularly looking to leave Christchurch, but we were just like, wow, we love this and want to be a part of it. So we joined, um, I think I was probably one of the first staff members. Um, I was volunteering as operations assistant. We used to meet in Rachel and Steve's tiny little study, and I'd have to print off the bulletin and put checks in the bank and all this kind of stuff. And I think between us, we've probably done most things at seven. We haven't yeah. done youth, haven't done prophetic arts, not our giftings. Um, but we've been involved with most other things um, and kind of at the center of things, which we didn't expect and didn't plan, but it's been cool. Mm, yeah, it really has been amazing, hasn't it? Drop a proper family. And Greg, you, you, um, you've been served, Greg serves as our chair of trustees and has been a trustee for many years as well. Greg, um, tell us about the decision to um, leave Seven and plant, help plant uh, Lighthouse. Tell us about that. Yeah, sure. So I think um, we can relate very much to some of the things Rebecca was saying about having lived somewhere and then every Sunday you go past numerous churches to get to the church you attend. And I think we can also relate to, as Liz was saying, just seeing Claire and Owen worshipping, that's the sort of first weeks, really the love for God that they have was really inspiring. And again, so that helps you kind of justify that, that journey. Um, but having had that kind of desire for local church, local community for a number of years, um, we, we ran a small group for about five years or so, um, which is great to see Joe and Luke, right away from Austria here, which is a total lovely surprise because they were key members of that for a time as well. Um, and one of the people in that is called Ali Berry. And this is a really random connection that Ali had with Rebecca and Adam. And unbeknownst to us, would go along to their house before our small group, have dinner, and then come along to our small group and say, oh, Rebecca and Adam, you really like, should get to know Greg and Liz. And this, we had no idea about this. So it feels like there have been a couple of little things in the background that have just been sowing the seeds for a bit of a friendship which between our two families has developed during last year. And I think that, that friendship and that locality have been really key things that have given us a sense of, well, actually, this might be the right time for us to um, take what has been the longest church I've, I've been at um, and throw, throw our, our, ourselves in with these guys. And, and I think as well, it's the area that I've lived in most of my life. I live in Bedminster, but I would always say to people, oh, I'm the Totterdown end of, of Bedminster. So we're right on the edge, the Tesco opposite Totterdown Methodist Church. I used to walk along there with my dad on a Sunday afternoon. We would buy our chocolate treats and then come back home. So that area is where I've grown and given how much I love the vineyard, it would just be really weird to not be for a vineyard in where I've grown up my whole life. Like, I've been in that area 35 years. It's a long time, so knowing that there's a vineyard church that I love starting there, I mean, we would literally drive past it to come to Seven, and that would be a bit weird, wouldn't it? So, yeah. And how are you feeling? Sad. Like, it's sad. I think it's become a bit more real today when you're like, this is our last Sunday. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's been our family for 13 years. Um, 
Uh, we, you know, we've had kids here, we've suffered miscarriages, my dad died, we bought a house, and we've changed jobs, I now am paid to be on staff team. Like, there's a lot that's gone on in that time, um, highs and lows. So it's really sad to, to, like, leave you guys. We're so known here, and we're such a part of the furniture, I think. So it is, yeah, I think sad is the word, yeah, we feel really sad, and we will grieve the loss of this, whilst we're really excited about what we're going on to. Like, it's it's sad, um, yeah. I think I think changes are always mixed, and I think um, you're, you're right to bring out the point of fear when doing something new. I think I think for us, we've had a little bit of time to to process this, and there's been kind of groundwork in a sense of that desire for local worship and community. And so I think it, it's it's mixed in the sense of that excitement that Liz says, the sadness because we we have spent time with with a lot of you over the years. Um, but I think there is a real what is God going to do? Because there are some things about Lighthouse where there is real uncertainty about what some of the practicalities look like, and that means that we're kind of forced to rely on God, and and that's something that. It's always good to have things that bring us back to relying on God. Um, and I think it can be easy to, to get into a place where you're like, well, I know how this works. I know these people. I know what I'm expected to do. And it can be then easy to forget, actually, what is God trying to move me on to? What is God trying to encourage me to have that conversation that I might not have, to spend time with those people that I might not otherwise? So I think it's, it's, it's good and healthy to have change that forces us to rely on God. Absolutely. Now, um, you will still see Liz very much around because she is going to be our business manager running business services for Seven, for Field and for Lighthouse. So you will still encounter Liz. And also, because we, one of the slight differences, because it's geographically so connected, the three churches are closely connected already and that will continue. So you will still see these guys around as you see Adam and Rebecca periodically as well. Um, and we'll be doing uh, uh, joint services as well. So on the 19th of February, we're going to be doing a joint service, Field 7 and Lighthouse, to launch these guys as they plant the church. So that's on the 19th of February. Do put that date in your diaries. It's not going to be here. It's going to be at Tostown Methodist Church. So we're very excited about that. Um, we would love to pray for you. And, um, and so many of you know these guys. We're just going to do a big scrum in the middle. So we're going to invite them to come and stand here at the front. We're going to be praying for Adam and Rebecca on the 19th. So just so you understand, we're going to pray for Greg and Liz today, and then we'll pray for Adam and Rebecca on the 19th of February. Um, so it may be that God speaks to you, has a prophetic word for them through you. So do uh, share that with them either afterwards or during the time that we pray for them now. Um, we, we're so, so excited about what God is doing. This is our first church plant seven vineyard okay this is the first time we've planted as a church it's a joint plant with field it's the first thing that field are doing uh, field and seven are doing together it's a bit like metaphorically a bit like two churches coming together and what's the first thing they do they have a baby they have a baby church called lighthouse and we're really excited about that so let's celebrate that together guys would you come and stand in the middle so we can pray for you is that all right and if you know them, love them, and well, <laughs> if you know them and want to come and join us and pray, come and pray. <laughs> Just step into the middle a little bit more there, Greg. Is that right? Well, we thank you, God, so much for this couple. We thank you for Greg and Liz. We thank you for um, the fellowship that we have enjoyed with them for so many years. We thank you for the way in which they have served this church so diligently and faithfully. We want to bless them. We want to pray that God would bless you guys. Um, we thank you for what you have done in and through them. Our hearts 
are so for them, so grateful for them.